and welcome to 5am Sam. Hello and welcome to Unidentified Wargamer. Each week I interview a wargamer and identify them in the hobby. This week I got on with me, John Scrivens, or Scrivo as most people call him. How are you going, John? Yeah, not too bad, bud. Not too bad at all. How has the weather been there today? Because I've interviewed quite a few people and it seems every time I interview someone, the, the weather is quite nice and sunny there. Yeah, it's very sunny, but it's a bit chilly. So it's proper autumnal English weather, which is lovely. So I'm currently holding a, a hot Vimto just to keep my hands warm. Oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite time of year when it's like the sun's out and the sun's warm when you stand in the sun, but otherwise it's cold outside. Uh, I love that time of year. Perfect weather. So what have you been up to sort of the past few weeks? So you been a bit of hobbying, playing a bit of tabletop wargaming? Both, actually. Um, I had two tournaments in the last two weekends, actually, which is... Uh, pretty unusual for me <laughs> so i've i've pretty 40k'd out but it was uh, a good challenge so i went to the the london gt a couple of weeks back played five solid games of 40k and uh thought oh I, I, I could have a break from this for a bit and then instead next week last weekend <laughs> i played five more games at um the battle of britain which was a wtc kind of uh format uh, event where teams from england scotland wales and northern ireland all kind of just smashed in it was kind of a way of them kind of getting people that are interested in the WTC kind of having a go at it. So I went along kind of, I did it last year and it was just kind of like, I enjoyed it. I thought I'll, I'll give it a go again and see if it's still kind of scratching an itch for me. And I, I think I've got the team Warhammer bug. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be according to a lot of people with the best way to play Warhammer. Yeah. Cause when you're losing, you're losing as part of a team and mm. it, especially when you do like the whole kind of the scoring where it's like 20 nil kind of variance, that one or two points you could be scoring and kind of scraping by could make the difference between a draw and a win for your team, which is pretty cool, I think. So, Yeah, and the whole, like, as you lose as a team, but you also win as a team. Yeah. So one person's yeah. losing and there's three people are winning. You, you win the whole round and it's exactly. it's brilliant sort of environment to be in. Yeah, exactly. And I like being the bust guy because it's just like, cool, I've had a, I've had a rough <laughs> game, but I always have a rough game because I always think I'm not doing that well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. What sort of armies do you generally sort of play? Um, so for 40k, I've got, uh, orcs. I've got an awful lot of orcs. That was my first love. And I still kind of, kind of almost default to them. And then I've got, um, a good few thousand points of dark angels, which again, is quite a, a broad spectrum stuff. Cause obviously they've got lots of terminators, bikes, all the traditional space marine stuff, but they've got their own kind of flavor to it, which is quite fun to play. So it's always, it always ends up being quite uh speedy armies and resilient. <laughs> and then for and I've got. Yeah, oddly green. And then Age of Sigma, I've kind of avoided that. I've got a load of um, orcs, but I didn't really enjoy how they played. So I went and bought OBR, but specifically, I've done the Mistalliot Lords with a bucket load of cavalry. So I uh, I think I've got fast 20 army. cavalry. Yeah, so <laughs> fast army again. It's it's weird thing. Weird, weird. I, I know what my play style is a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Elite fast models. Yeah. I uh, think OBR green, one of my um, local mates, he painted his broccoli green, his OBR. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> That's strange. I did dry brush mine all bone and just went, that'll do. I speed painted them in two weeks. I, uh, oh, lovely. They're, they're not a proud army, but it got me at a tournament. <laughs> it got me to my first yep. tournament, so I was like, why not? I'll go back w to Would it. you say you, you came to keep talking a lot about tournaments? Are you quite a competitive sort of gamer? Um, I find, like, if I'm playing the, in the same sort of group we end up playing kind of the same armies against the same armies. And it, it can be a bit kind of repetitive. And as much as that's fun, like my first few years back in the hobby, kind of five, six years ago, that's what I did. And it was kind of like, this is cool. 
but you then there'd be times when people talking about, oh, this new book is really good. And I'd never experienced it. So I was like, right, I'll go to an event. And it was a good way to just play other people and other armies in different ways. I think that challenge is kind of nice because you kind of learn how to beat the player as much as the army when you're playing like your local guys. And that gets a bit done, especially when people know how to beat me. They just go, right, you're going to charge me. And I'm like, damn it. Every time, every time. Yeah. It worked you out. That one plan I had. Damn it. <laughs> Push everything forward and charge you. Oh, no. Oh, damn. Do you, was... do you generally take quite competitive lists to tournaments as well? Or you're there for more to have fun and verse different people, like you said. It's kind of a blend, really. It's like when there is like a go-to kind of a meta-defining list, there's something in me that uh, it's almost like the hipster kind of gene is there going, no, you can't take that. That's that's the that's just a bit too easy. So I always have to make it harder for myself. And then as a result, I don't do as well. So it's I'm a solid three and two guy. And it's kind of it's kind of rewarding because like the list I get something out of a list, but at the same time, I sometimes get the the nosebleeds of getting up there when I've brought some. So like for example, orc buggies in 40k, I went through a phase of taking them to events and doing quite well with them because they were quite strong, and I kind of got some nice two and one one days kind of out of it, and it was good fun. But playing the people you end up facing in those situations sometimes it's not as rewarding because they're a little bit too kind of hungry for it if that makes sense like yeah, they're yeah. often really good games but also at the same time it feels very serious <laughs> and i'm not sure i'm quite there yeah fair enough you're sort of more for the casual experience rather than going for the hardcore serious top end sort of thing i, I think so it's like i can try but at the same time not always i think i think it often depends on my mood as well like if i'm enjoying how something plays that's rewarding like at the moment dark angels the best way to play them is lots of terminates i find it incredibly boring so i just don't bother so yeah, don't take them to enough. events for the same reason. So it's like, if I don't get something rewarding out of it, I don't, it doesn't matter if I get the win. If I've not enjoyed it, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Especially since Terminators are what, they're super slow compared to uh, the Don's yeah. style? Oh God, yeah. My Ravenwing bike list got me a wooden spoon last year. So uh, that was when <laughs> people going, oh, these Dark Angels are quite good. I'm like, yeah, not if you take the bikes. <laughs> got them. That's how you break the, the conceptions of how an army should p- perform. <laughs> That's how you ruin the results as well. Everyone's exactly. like, yeah, like you said, that they're so good. And then it's like, oh, no, there's John down the bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All things are right. <laughs> yeah. so how did you, you were saying you just got into the hobby, not got into it, but you got re-back into the hobby five, six yeah. years ago. What was your sort of first experience with Warhammer going through oh, the gosh. earlier years? So it's quite an unusual one for me, but, it's it follows the kind of the stereotype of like the teenager thing, but my dad's a wargamer, so I grew up wargaming like the kind of more classical like historical stuff, World War Two, Napoleonic, all that sort of stuff was always there. So I, I've got some very early memories of going around um, the kind of traditional wargames events, like the shows we go and buy all the little lead figures in a buggy, like that young, remembering it, and it's so it's kind of it's always been there for me. And then I think I was about seven. I had the choice of, do I buy a Carthaginian elephant in 15 mils, this tiny little elephant, or a five-pound box of orcs from the like Games Workshop classic ones with the the sword and the bow? It was like, do I buy without or that with my pocket money? The orcs won. And (laughs) I'm still buying them now. Like They're everywhere. They're all surrounding me at the moment. But yeah, and that's what got me kind of into it. And then inevitably, because that was kind of the mid-90s, there was that whole kind of 
the, the red box kind of era where all of my mates were all getting into plastic Warhammer stuff. We were all buying sprues of this stuff. Then third edition 40k dropped and we're all like, oh, we're getting into this as teenagers. And then you hit that certain age and we all kind of just went, oh, there's, there's this alcohol thing and there's these girls that keep looking at us <laughs> funny. And I was just like, guys, can't we do both? And they all went off to uni and I was like, fine, <laughs> I'll just go to rock concerts instead. And I've had about a 10 year break, I think roughly I've worked it out. And then kind of, it was that weird thing. We all got to about 30 and we're all like, guys, I, I've been doing this thing kind of of an evening. And we're all suddenly, it was really weird. Four of us all got together. And we're like, I've been painting some figures again. And we were like, what? Me too. And it was this weird kind of like, we all naturally kind of gravitated back to the hobby because we all had a little bit more disposable income, a bit of time. And we didn't want to go out and our knees are probably hurting too much to be standing in a gig for too long. So it was that yeah. weird natural kind of, you, you kind of gravitate back. And that was about, I want to say about six, seven years ago. And I kind of jumped back in kind of two feet right in. <laughs> yeah, real heavy. Yeah. What would you say sort of is the main reason that sort of kept you in or brought you in? Was it just the friends that were doing it at the same time or is it other aspects of the hobby as well? Um, so to me, I've always been quite competitively minded. Like I enjoy playing things, but also to obviously get a result. So that combined with the creativity of the painting and the, the social element was really nice because like reconnecting my mates that I hadn't really seen for a good few years, it then gave us a reason to do something other than just sitting down the pub, which was nice. Like we'd catch up and be like, let's go up to Warhammer World together. So we did like my 30th birthday. Four of us went up there and just had a weekend up there. And it was like such a good birthday, but at the same time, not the last time I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to experience the Warhammer World experience. Um, yeah, I've heard it's, it's quite a, uh, quite a yeah. I need to definitely get make my way over to the UK, but uh, it's a bit of a trek for us from here in Australia. I think it's about twenty hours in planes, so uh, oh, gosh. not something that you can just do casually. No. <laughs> what, what did you say the main draw is about sort of Warhammer World itself? Because I've only ever seen photos. I don't know obviously know about the atmosphere and stuff like that. I think it's the whole package, really. It's like, it's not the most, like, the tables are pretty cool. They're okay. But it's the whole element of you can go into a shop and they've got everything on sale, the Forge World. You can go play in a castle and then there's a bar selling beer with an orc's head on the wall. And it's it's just, I think it's more the kind of the almost the, the theatre of it than some of the actual individual elements. And then things like the museum, looking at figures and, like, dioramas from White Dwarf from, like, the 90s on a shelf and you go... I remember that from being a kid. It's sentimentality, I think, kind of gets me for it. Okay. So, because I've noticed online you do a lot of artworks and things like that. At what point did you sort of like incorporate Warhammer into doing art and being a part of like your art style? It's weird because, um, sort of, I think it was about 18, 19, I started doing my own webcomic. Um, obviously, that then meant I did a lot of art sort of things more so. And obviously, as a kid, I kind of sketched out this sort of stuff anyway, because you draw what you know, right? Ninja Turtles and Warhammer stuff was probably what I did a lot of. Um, and it was it was just as I was getting back into the hobby, I was going to comic conventions as a stall holder, and I'd be sketching for people. And I started just naturally kind of deviating, like, there'd be my sketch folder and people look at it and they'd be like, superhero, super, and then suddenly Gene Stealer. And I just, I slowly kept sneaking things in and realizing that I was actually really enjoying it, so... Um, so then obviously as kind of the online community kind of grew around me that I kind of was a bit more aware of, I started just trying to draw more themed stuff and it was just mm -hmm. kind of like next thing I know I'm drawing portraits of people as goblins. I've, I think I've drawn half of the Australian community as goblins specifically. Yeah, I've seen them everywhere. <laughs> bonkers. 
What sort of um? Because you drawing more of a um anime sort of cartoon style. Is is that your main style outside yeah. of online? I think so. Like um, my kind of style tends to be a bit more kind of the cartoony ang- kind of angle rather than kind of photorealistic, and I kind of enjoy it because. I just sometimes just if something's a little bit too close to realistic, but not quite enough, it ends up looking a bit odd whilst kind of doing kind of something stylized kind of, it's quite fun. And it it's mine. If that makes sense. It's nice that it's kind of people look and go, Oh, that's a scribble bit. And it's like, it's cool that people can kind of attribute it to me. So. Yeah. Especially when you can just quickly glance at it and you know, instantly who drew it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then <laughs> if you want to, you can find you online. <laughs> so it makes it nice and easy. Do you sort of find, with doing all your artwork and stuff like that, that leads to you doing a lot of painting of your armies and things like that? It's it's a weird balance, actually. Like, in the build-up to a tournament, I try not to have too much to paint. Or if I've got stuff I want to get ready for, like, a game, like, in a week's time type of thing, it's always just like, well, I need to get this painted, but I've also got this commission I need to get done. So it's kind of a, an, it's another level of juggling. And it, I don't always get it right, but, yeah, it's certainly like I have to sometimes prioritize. I'm like, right, I, I'll do it. I'll base these figures and then i'll go and draw something and then i'll come back and it's kind of like a a reward myself for doing something of either of them and it's kind of it's a tough balance to strike i think (laughs) yeah i bet (laughs) especially when you've got two like sort of artistic outlets to get done yeah and they're both time consuming (laughs) sometimes i'm just like i just want to sit in a dark room (laughs) (laughs) and neither of those you can do hobby in if you're in a dark room exactly (laughs) what what sort of um painting style would you then lead to your armies so it's weird people kind of draw this connection they look at like the quite clean drawn art style i have and people go oh your your painting's going to be immaculate it's going to be loads of like edge highlighting mine's really quite messy um okay i was never a fan of kind of the completely clean edge highlighting kind of approach so i tend to do a bit more of a realistic approach probably it, it kind of gets probably labeled as more of the grim dark sort of angle um, to the point where my orcs, any of the metallic kind of surfaces on more recent things are just covered in proper texture paint. Then I paint over it and I'm just, they all look really like falling apart, kind of broken because that's what it should be ramshackled, not just yeah. here's something straight off a uh, production line. I think my space Marines are a little less, they're kind of more battle worn, but they're still cleanish. But I, I feel like it's in my nature to make things look a bit scruffy because it just kind of looks cooler, I think, personally anyway. Yeah, I'm with you there. My, my recent sort of few armies have all been a bit more realistic looking rather than cartooning. Like I done my kits was all super clean lines. There's like yeah. no wear and tear on anything. Uh, and then my zombies are all just falling apart. Texture paint everywhere, oil paints and grime great. and stuff. Yeah, And the advent of things leads. like Streak and Grime, right? Something like Streak and Grime yeah. just does that work for you and you're like, cool. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. Speaking grammar is just magic. I remember hearing all about you guys all discovering it at the same time, um, and you're all just like couldn't oh. stop talking about all your discoveries you guys were making at this, when you were trying <laughs> to like learn how to use streaking grime. <laughs> gotcha. My first experience of that was actually on terrain of all things as well. Oh, lovely! <laughs> I bet it giant, went everywhere. Then. Giant cotton buds trying to clean up the building. <laughs> yep. I think it works. It works well on terrain, like sort of in small sections. But I think yeah. we all get carried away and want to do oh. it, the whole thing in one go, yeah. and it just turns into a disaster. And you've got it all over your hands, you've got it all over your clothes, and everywhere else. Oh, definitely. Um, because you don't <laughs> let it dry long enough, and then you've yeah. got your makeup sponges trying to wipe it all off, and it just turns into a disaster. Because I remember I bought all when I started painting my terrain. I didn't have any oils in that. 
and they sort of like just look real basic. But then I bought a bunch of oils and I just started pouring them all over the terrain and found out very quickly that that's not what you want to do. <laughs> you don't want to just cover yeah, terrain definitely. and everything. Sometimes less is more. I've learned that with the texture paint. Like the first, I think I did one death dread for my orcs and I proper caked it on. And then the next couple I went, I'll do less and I'll do less kind of sponging of the silvers and stuff. Because sometimes the more grubby it is, the worse it ends up looking and it's kind of almost like less can be more. Yeah, especially uh, with metallics and things like that, you've got to strike a fine balance with that where you still want a little bit of the metal showing through so you can yeah. tell that it's metal and not some chunk of wood or something else that pulled out of the ground. It's actually a metal weapon of some sort. Exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> have you just got the orcs and dark angels in general, or are you sort of, have you branched out in recent times to other armies or? It's weird. I, I did like my second army when I got back into the hobby was um, Sam Hain Eldar jet bike spam. So again, another fast army. And it was one of those things where I didn't use it often. So eventually I just went, I need to not just have this sat in a box. It feels selfish that this army's just sat there. So I sold it on. And I've kind of had that a few times. Like I had custodies for 40k. I had Gloomspike Gits, but I didn't enjoy how they played. Because I kept finding I'd charge someone and then half my like the unit would run away from morale. And I was like, this is frustrating. When I was trying to learn yeah. a new game, and I was like, this is this isn't how I want to play. And then I tried some Sylvaneth, and funnily enough, that was probably in the, the heyday of them not being very good. So it was just, it was hard to be motivated to paint it. So I just got rid. So I've, I've tried to clear the decks as much as possible, but I'm a kind of a, a bit of a hobby magpie that things like Kill Team, I'll pick up a new Kill Team just for the sake of it. Or Star Wars Legion, everyone was buying it. So I bought some and I've, I've painted a lot of it and I've played it. So it's that's that's a success story. But then I've got things like a starter set for um, Adeptus Titanicus that I got for Christmas three years ago. Still sat in the box and I keep trying to sell it and no one wants it. So I'm like, cool, I'm just going to sit there. <laughs> so it's, it's that inevitable thing of just, I try, I kind of shrink my hobby kind of overhaul, like the, the, the whole horde. And then naturally it kind of expands back out again. And it's just keeping that kind of balance, right? It's like, <laughs> yep. Got the, the I can't walk through the doors. You need to get rid of some boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely noticed that trying to, um, you do you sort of ebb and flow with the, the models you get. You get this massive expanse, and then you're like, I don't touch any of this, don't look at any of it, all of it's in storage. So then you start sort of getting rid of it. Are yeah. you do you paint up these armies or are you more just keep them gray and then you sell them all they're gray? Or what, what's your sort of method with armies? Generally, if I've painted it, it does tend to stick around for longer. But generally, I found that if I get to a certain point with the project and I've just not gone anywhere with it, I just cut my losses and before i even consider painting i by that point i've already given up like i had some gray nights when that book dropped i was like i'd i'd already been kind of tinkering with the idea of it and the the hob the kind of the, the inevitability of like the, the backlog of actually producing for the armies already had meant that the, it just kind of just didn't get done and it was just always sat there in the background kind of like making me feel guilty like i've still not touched those so it was like right if i'm not going to touch them someone else can enjoy them i'll sell them and it then funds the next thing and so it's kind of it's knowing when to quit i think sometimes it's like and i've started to kind of instead of just go right i'm going to buy this new thing because it's exciting I, I kind of mull over and kind of give it a couple of days and go if i really want it i need to paint it first like get it and then immediately do it and if i don't i just don't buy it so it's that whole kind of like trying to be a bit more critical of whether i need to purchase something and mm -hmm. it's, it's panning out better this year so far apart from kill team oh, nice. train it's just everywhere. 
I think because it's just terrain. Terrain is interesting gray because it still has a, a sort of a use. I can't work with your style of buying to paint at all. Um, I think especially if you're not trying to work towards an army, I find I've got to get the whole army bought and gray and play yeah. with them to like and set up the army. Whereas I think if you had probably a bit more of a casual nature with it, you could buy the models that just look cool to paint them up at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So I did that with things like my Ossiak Bone Reapers army. I just planned a list I wanted to do. Um, they did the Broken Realm boxes where you kind of got a couple of units and a character. So I bought a couple of those because I wanted the cavalry and then planned out the rest of it and then bought it in a couple of stages. So kind of, it was still planned, but at the same time I was trying to just not just buy things for the sake of it because it was like, oh, I could buy this as well. And it's that getting carried away by an, oh, I'll buy three crawlers as well. I've got one. I've never used it. So <laughs> you've got more restraint than me. I normally just yeah, buy the whole thing all in one go and then get stuck with it all. Like at the moment, <laughs> I'm slowly potting through a bone splitter's army um, oh gosh. because I bought the whole thing all in one go. It was like 3,000 points. It was secondhand, so it made it a bit easier. Um, but That's yeah, it's just all stick. sitting there. Yeah. A lot of green. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of green naked men. But, I mean, we love our green. I've got goblins, exactly. they're green. Even my Ogre Moor tribes are painting them green as orcs. <laughs> yeah, why not? I've just discovered I'm a fan of green as well. Even my, I've got Skaven, so that's all warp stone green. Yes. Like my Skaven, green I, I, think, I, I think I did Incubi Darkness on my Skaven test models for their cloaks. They still have green on them as well. <laughs> it's everywhere. What sort of fruits to projects have you got going on? Um, so at the moment I'm doing some 40k kill teams. I've got a load of rebels for Star Wars, including some Mandalorians, because I, I really enjoyed the the cartoon rebels. So I've got like Sabine Wren and like some Mandalorians to go with her, and they're kind of more of a I'm gonna paint them really detailed and put all like the, the clan markings and stuff. And then on the flip side, I've got um a couple of Warcry Warbands. So I've got the um, K-Night Shadow Stalkers. I'm kind of painting them at the moment, trying to push myself to do not my normal sort of thing. So I'm used to doing kind of quite chunky models with orcs and space marines and stuff. So doing these weird kind of pale, weighty, thin elves is just a nice challenge. And it's, it's a complete different kind of end of the spectrum for me. Like, So doing that, and then I've got um, the Splintered Fang Warband, the kind of the poisony mm -hmm. dudes from that. They're, the, they're my kind of current warband, so I'm trying to paint them up as well, which, again, not my normal paint sort of kind of look. So it's kind of nice to, almost like a palette cleansing kind of approach to it. So, Oh, nice, yeah. So, And then I think, what's the other project i got on the go? Just look over my shoulder. Oh, Arcan the Black. <laughs> <laughs> looking behind me, I was like, what's that weird looking thing there? It's his mount. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a fiddly one, that one. Yeah, I... I did the mount and then went, right, I need to have a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you sort of uh, quite a, what's the word I'm looking for? On Not an entrepreneur. Anyway, you seem to quite enjoy your skirmish games. Yeah. So for me, quite classically, if I'm meeting up with some mates of a weeknight, playing a three-hour game in front of a six-by-four table can be a bit of a time pressure. So yeah. if we're meeting up on like a Wednesday night, and there's the opportunity to play a game that matters. It's not just like a one-off and it's just like, oh, I lost that one. Cool. If it's like an ongoing campaign-y thing, it's quite simple. It's quite nice just because then we, you'll get kind of a bit more of a buy-in to actually playing it again. So we've had that with things like uh, Warcry, just going through a little campaign. I just, I have an amazing ability in Warcry that anytime someone gets killed, 
rolling to see whether they actually die die it's, it's like an 11 to a 14 you can roll last week no joke two characters died out of a team of 11 <laughs> and that's that's about average for me so it's like the, the, literally it's like a, a turnstile of like new guys going into my warband because it's just they just die so <laughs> just a thing but it's just, just nice because then there's these stories that come from it and as a result we've had fantastic little games where you just go this shouldn't really matter but it does because that guy should have died but he didn't and then he just and it's those weird little interactions that actually make it a little bit more exciting at times because i'm not having to think right have i remembered what uh what i need to do in this phase and it's just sometimes of a, a work night the last thing i want to do is have to think <laughs> a little bit too much <laughs> yeah i've um in that case i like picked up marvel because i quite enjoy i've found that the three to four hour casual games are way too long especially yeah. if you want to play two or three of your friends yeah that you're playing till two in the morning if you wanted to try and get in games oh, gosh. so i've enjoyed marvel because it's about an hour and a half it's more casual there's not like you have to remember your whole turn and then you wait for them to oh, do God, their yeah. turn it's sort yeah. of it's the alternate activation style gaming uh, and i've been really enjoying the way that that all works together compared to warhammer it's refreshing right like having that in yeah. star wars legion same thing you're just you're not you're not sitting waiting for 20 minutes it's a to and fro it's you're having a conversation rather than mm-hmm. talking at someone and then them talking back at you it's a completely different kind of style of game and it feels very modern right mm, it does it feels a lot more clean and well designed than the the sit there and watch your friend for 20 minutes, even sometimes 30 or 40 minutes, depending on what yeah. army to do. Taking my need to stuff do. off at the same time. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or oh, it's an army that. where, especially it's like in Age of Sigma, if it's just a shooting army, you just take your models off. You just roll a few dice, take your models off, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Take them off because they're dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So I've been enjoying that. Um, I haven't done the campaign sort of style war cry and things like that. I think because our gaming group, we're all very competitive and we like to spend time like getting our competitive armies going and making sure we play a strong game when we go to tournaments. So I think we would all enjoy playing the campaign sort of skirmish style games, but we yeah. just don't find the time to put them in there. And you have to have the time. Yeah, because we want to get all the bigger games out of the way. I find it is really hard to get these more casual fun games in with a campaign. Yes. So historically, I've had that locally where we'll all be like, oh, right, in, in two months' time, we've all got this big GT. And it'll be like, so who wants to play a practice game for that? And it always became that was the forefront. So it's kind of that weird thing of like having to pick and choose and be a bit more kind of, no, I don't want to just play match play 40K. Sometimes I'd like a break. And it's just, it, it's hard to do because we're all kind of, you almost get yourself programmed into, oh, I play 40K or I play Age of Sigma. And it's, that's your default. It's like, it's not what type of game should we play. It's, uh, this we're playing this game we're playing 2000 points that's the default straight away and you're like well actually we could do more we could do less completely different game but yeah it's it's bizarre how did you find that your gaming group then transitioned over to playing these skirmish it's it's a weird thing because it varies there's a few people kind of in my local kind of scene that i would say are more competitively led they'll dip their toes in but they're always kind of one foot in one foot out and i'm kind of I feel like I'm almost a bridge where I'm kind of like, I, I like to do both, but at the same time, you can't do both well at times. So it's kind of like I swing from kind of like, I'll do a couple of weeks of playing like tournament prep. Then once the tournament's over, I'll, I'll have a break and play a little bit of something else. Or 
have a random like Thursday night, we'll go and play Kill Team for an evening just as a, a palate cleanser. So it's kind of, it's a weird thing that I think it varies from player to player, but that way it means that the people that don't really care about the tournaments get to play something that scratches their itch as well. So it's kind of, it strengthens the local community a little bit, I think, because it caters to everyone's tastes and also gives people the opportunity to try something they probably wouldn't necessarily like. We all tried doing 40k crusade, but the amount of paperwork behind it actually puts even me off a little bit. I'm like, do I really want to sit with a spreadsheet open at the same time? <laughs> I don't know. I want to tell a story, but not the consequence of having to write out a, a spreadsheet. But I couldn't think of anything worse. Like you're already playing quite a tactful, in-depth game to then have to pull out your phone or your yeah. your laptop and then have to that write unit, in a spreadsheet. That unit. Yeah, there we go. Got to add to that tally. And then the best bit is they'll, they've added mechanics for uh, the campaigns in, in Crusade, which are lovely. But it'll be like, this this campaign book, you get uh, Wrath and Ruin points or something. And there'll be another mechanic you have to track per unit. And it's just like, by that uh, point, you're just like, I didn't record any of that. We were just too busy trying to actually play the game. <laughs> it's just like, it's it's challenging. So that's why I've enjoyed things like the War Cries and the Kill Teams and Legion. And I have eyed up Marvel for that same reason, that it's just, it's clean and it does a job, just something a bit different. And I, I think I think it's refreshing, like the local community, kind of people have tried things like Legion as a result of us all going, match play, again, it, it becomes kind of like you're playing, the, you're playing the same, because yes, there's different scenarios, but it ends up being like, I'm playing match play this, whilst you play something like Legion, and it's just like each game feels quite different. Okay. And I think that's been quite refreshing locally, at least. But it means that then when you go back to playing, like, tournament practice it doesn't feel like that's all you ever do so it's kind of a nice kind of getting your breath a little bit perhaps mm-hmm. what, what's sort of the size of your gaming group there to sort of allow you guys to play different games all over the place it's quite interesting because we a lot of us play kind of just at each other's houses but there's i think two or three different war games clubs that kind of intersect kind of we all kind of cross pollinate so there's this weird opportunity that on a monday night we could go to twisted dice or on a, a monday we could also go to hell Hempstead or on a Friday, we could go somewhere else. And it's just really nice that there's these options for us. But as a result, it means that if you're in the mood for, say, a more competitive sort of match play experience, you go to a certain club. Or if you just want to go and have a pickup game and be kind of a social aspect, you go to that club. And it's, it's nice that there's you can kind of pick to tailor your mood almost. Uh, we're kind of okay, lucky. Yeah. In this country, we're kind of quite lucky because we're quite dense and all close together. Uh, you, Literally, I trip over people in the street and they go, oh, I play 40K. And they're like, what? <laughs> There's, they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah, so. okay. Definitely a different scene than what we have here because yeah. we're – I'm lucky where I am where I can go – it's a small franchise. I can go north 25 minutes or south 25 minutes and it's the same shop franchise but two oh, nice. sort of slightly different gaming groups. So it's not um, a four-hour trip to play one game. <laughs> no, no, I'm not that far, but um, <laughs> we've got a we've got a nice community set up down there. Well, I'm quite good friends, Scott, with the um, the store manager there, pretty much. Nice. So he, he he's our he's our dealer, our wheeler and dealer of passing out all these games <laughs> and stuff like that. The challenging job that one. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> gets to play games all day. Gets to paint war armies. He's got the the luxury side of it all. Because it's more of a gaming shop rather than like a toy store or something like that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to be because trust me, if you can see it in your peripheral vision, you're like, oh, I could buy that. And then if it's quiet, you start thinking about, well, if I did an army of that and next thing you know, you've put it all on the order list and you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I've 
I think he's cycled through more armies working at the gaming store than he has in the last few years beforehand. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> at least he gets it at a discount, which is nice. That makes it worse. You spend the same amount of money, just you buy more. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. What's the setup with your toy store there? Are you able to get games in? Or is it more like a generic toy store where you're sort of more behind the counter and you're just passing out box sets and stuff like that? Yeah, it's it's a bit more of your traditional toy shop, uh, but we have a couple of bays of the Games Workshop stuff. So it's more people pop in and buy some paints or pick up a random box because I kind of fill it with what I think will sell a lot of it. It's like there's a core range that we're supposed to stock. And then I do the, 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 the try-hardy thing of like, oh, chaos demons books just out i'll, I'll order in a load of chaos demons and it's that kind of like try to get things that i know that local community might dip into and it's, it's kind of nice because they'll come in and go oh have you got this and it's like they won't they don't expect it to be on the shelf and it's there and it's just a nice kind of like helping kind of prop up their problem <laughs> but it's good because it's like it's part of my job but it's not all of my job so i can have a day where i don't have to think about warhammer as well which is probably a bit healthier at times <laughs> yes this hobby is all encompassing if you're able to take a day away from it yeah um, it definitely <laughs> improves the mental health sometimes because being too much warhammer can probably be a little bit of detriment to yourself especially if you're obsessive sort of over the whole hobby in itself yep i'm looking around me thinking i can't really escape it <laughs> <It's everywhere. laughs> oh god i think that's all gaming rooms like your little nurgle plushie behind you there and yeah. then it's just like oh, gotcha. and the alt codex artwork on the on the, on the oh god it's everywhere. Oh, lovely yeah <laughs> it just takes over yeah. how, how did you find when you jumped back in did you just start buying everything that you could get your hands on or did you sort of it was a slow roll back into the hobby it's funny it started off i was quite measured i had an old orc battle force that i'd been kind of chipping away at for a few years and just forgot about and then i moved in with my now wife and i was like just chipping away painting them because i thought it'd be fun and then it was a weird thing like, i painted all of that and then went i'll buy a new box this week and it was like i'll get this painted first and it started off as kind of like, i'll buy one i'll paint it and then it inevitably snowballed and next thing i know i've got boxes of the stuff everywhere and i was just like i'm in trouble here so it was kind of how <laughs> how can i put these in the cupboard without kind of taking over the rest of the flat mm -hmm. which was challenging <laughs> how did the partner find the new obsession I, I don't think it was too much of a surprise so being a comic kind of guy meant that she was used to seeing piles of comic books everywhere graphic novels she was very much quite sympathetic that i when i'm into something it's really like i, I hyper focus and it's kind of one of my biggest strengths but also a massive weakness for the same reasons <laughs> but um she was very supportive but at the same time just like there was times where it's like do you really need to buy more of that warhammer it's like, <laughs> well i don't need to but i really do want this box because look it's really shiny <laughs> yeah <laughs> is, is she like, interested in the hobby at all does she paint what sort of her aspect so we, we did kind of dabble with it. Like um, she had a, a Nighthawk army that she was trying to paint up herself and she was having great kind of success with it. But then we played the game and she was a bit of a sore loser. <laughs> she got very angry at the game. It was, <laughs> and I don't think she quite, I think she enjoyed the idea of it more than maybe playing it like as a thing. And so she came up to, um, there was one year we were, uh, streaming for the Bravery One British Open for Bobo for one of their Christmas events. And she came up with me and she really enjoyed the whole social element, but it was also still quite overwhelming because 
Warhammer Nerds at an event plus alcohol is a hyper intense sort of situation if you're quite introverted. And so it was just, I think, a little bit like, oh, okay, maybe not. This isn't necessary for me. And it's it's fine because it's nice that we still have something that she can appreciate and I kind of understand, but at the same time, it's still mine, if that makes sense. It's like we don't have to share the hobby, which sometimes I think if you have an interest that kind of crosses over too much, it's not your own hobby to kind of just hide away in perhaps. So I, I kind of like that element that is still a little bit my kind of my escape rather than where's my where's my pot of paint gone? She's nicked it again type of situation. <laughs> but at the same time, if she was it really enjoying it, probably would have loved it as well because it would have been nice to have someone on my side all the time. So mm-hmm. was that her first sort of experience in the art style art side of things? Or is she be like a painter outside? I, I don't think so really. It was kind of a, a kind of a fresh thing for her. So I think that's that was things like it's always been something I've done for as long as I can really remember. So to me, it was quite alien that model like miniature painting was something unusual to people. But yeah, you know, you said earlier you sort of done a bit of streaming and stuff of games. We yeah. haven't really got a massive scene in terms of live stream. Like there's a few people that do live streams and stuff like that. How do you find like doing streaming and stuff like that? Because you do like table bossing, is that what you did, or you done like all the tech side and things? Uh, a bit of both, actually. So I've done a bit of the table bossing, but I tended to be more the desk guy. So I was sat doing the the tech side of things, which okay is quite intense because you you don't really stop. You can't just stop. You have to constantly listen, panning cameras around and stuff. And it was it was a really good challenge for me because I'd watched a lot of especially the the early Warhammer Live kind of coverage where they were doing their own, like we're doing it, we're doing a little live battle report sort of thing. And watching those, it often frustrated me that I couldn't see what was going on at the table. So being able to be the guy influencing the camera so that you could look at it and go, I could see what's happening there and really nice cinematic shots. So my artistic kind of comic kind of brain was going, oh, if I get this good shot, you can see it. It's framed well. And it was just, it was satisfying to me. It was like, I, it was a good reward that, getting good coverage that wasn't just a top down that you could then see what was going on and added some personality to it. It was quite fun and exciting, but it's quite a thankless task. Unfortunately, if I was doing my job, right, you wouldn't, you didn't notice I was there. Well, you shouldn't. Yeah. Really. <laughs> I've seen a few of your roving camera shots and the, <laughs> the beautiful angles there. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, AOS worlds this year doing the, the roaming camera. That was a massive challenge for me because I'm not the tallest of guys. And holding this big kind of camera rig and trying to kind of get past people whilst they're playing was quite challenging. Um, but yeah, it was it was really satisfying to do actually that one. That was quite special as well because seeing kind of the top end of Age of Sigma kind of play happen and watching it kind of live and trying to kind of communicate that was it was it wasn't without its challenges, but it was it was a very memorable week. I think it's probably the best way of putting it. <laughs> do you have a, do you have like a side in tech or is this was your first sort of foray into that sort of world so my first job was actually kind of in graphic design kind of and slight a bit of tech support as well on the side because it was an like a little uh, kind of startup company so as a result i was always a little bit technically minded i built my first computer all that sort of stuff but i it was always very much like i'd look at something and go i don't understand how this works and then work out how it worked so i kind of just i fell into the streaming sort of thing so um there used to be, um, uh, I think it was called Livestream, an actual website about 10, 15 years ago. I used to stream drawing, doing my artwork sort of stuff. And I did that years and years ago. And it was only when I came to Bobo five years ago and Rob was streaming it. And I literally said, I'll oh, come help. I don't mind. And 
literally that was the first time I did it for like five six years and it was quite bizarre kind of stepping into it and going I've accidentally fallen into this and then (laughs) here I am doing it all the time now but it's just it was kind (laughs) of get away now it was an accident almost it just it happened and I I think I was an all right fit for kind of doing some of the the more techie sort of things just because it was more you learn how to do something and then once you know it's how to do it it's kind of there so yeah, and it's sort of an easy thing to fall back on as well because it's just like in the side of your brain there where it's like, oh, you need help with this? Oh, I can jump straight in there and yeah. get it all set up. And I know if there's a fault here, I know what's causing that fault where a lot of people have to troubleshoot for an hour or two. Or Rob shouts at me <laughs> and he figures it out. <laughs> and I sit there going, I should have sorted that myself. <laughs> More like- no, you're stuck in a, a small little hot box trying to do oh, all God. the tech side. Yes, that, that was that was for the Super <laughs> Series for the T Sports Network. That was that was a challenge. My little booth was literally like enough space for me to stand in, and it was hot summer weather. And I was like, "Cool, this is this is fine." But it was it was great coverage we did, so I didn't really care. So yeah, okay. it was good fun. <laughs> yeah. When you when you said done your live streaming for your art, how, how did you find that for an experience? Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it as kind of a way of just kind of. So originally I was doing it because I was doing it as a webcomic and it was kind of like, right, this is making me sit still and actually do a comic page rather than going down the pub. So it was kind of a nice way of me kind of doing that. Um, I then kind of touched back on that again during lockdown where I was like, right, I'm sat here. I may as well do something with my time. So I started doing streams of me art, doing the art again. And obviously being Warhammer themed, it was kind of had a little bit of a network. I could kind of contact and be like, guys, you want to watch this? And it had been good fun. Um, I find sometimes I end up not streaming as a result because sometimes I find if I'm streaming, I'm drawing slower. And if I'm on a bit of a deadline or uh, doing artwork that I can't stream, I then go, well, I can't stream, so I won't. And kind of get out of the habit of it. But it, I did find it very rewarding because it was nice to kind of build up a little community around it and people getting excited of kind of seeing what I was up to and how it worked. So the last time I did some streaming, I was doing kind of a mixture of portrait stuff. I did some Marvel style portraits and it was lovely hearing people kind of breaking down, kind of talking about their, like their interest in the characters and stuff as well. So it was kind of the other angle to it, that there was discussion around the the, the topic rather than it being just about me. Cause I don't, I, I find that a bit icky. <laughs> Sometimes people are like, it's all about me. I'm like, Oh God, I, if I stream, it's not because I want to be, having people kind of going oh look it's that guy it's like i just want to i want to put the focus on the artwork or the thing that i'm doing not me <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy I think your the art, <laughs> yeah your art style definitely leads to more the streamer streamability of it all because you're not spending 30 hours on one single image you're able to sort of probably have input and encouragement from the outside to, for them to look at the artwork and things like that yeah um, so I could definitely see your style just leaning more towards the streamability of it all. Yeah, and it, it helps that I do digital art as well. So I, it's literally a screen that I just can capture from. So it's it's handy. Oh, even easier. So. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that you do digital art as well. Like it, it definitely is a, a lot easier experience for the, the viewers, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to get a top-down view of someone drawing on some paper with a hand yeah. getting in the way. Oh, God, yeah. And I sm- being left-handed, I constantly smudge on drawing as well. So... It being a tablet saves that hassle. <laughs> <laughs> you do a lot of commissions for your art? Yeah. So um, I kind of just put out there. Originally, I was like, when I was getting back into the kind of the hobby and um, I was part of like the little community kind of centered around the Honest Wargamer, I was like, 
who'd like a portrait because people were like oh i'd like one of these goblin portraits and i was like oh I'd, i thought i'd just put up on twitter like so i want one and it, mm-hmm. it was almost a victim of its own success that i just went i'll do one for you for a tenner next thing i've got a list of 10 of them i'm like this is a lot more work <laughs> than 10 quid per mod like per portrait so it kind of i had to like, kind of rein it in and kind of go right i need to value my time correctly not rip people off but at the same time just if it's going to take me three hours charge them for three hours of my time and it 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 ended up being kind of this weird thing that I didn't, if you'd said to me, sort of get back into the hobby, you're going to start drawing people as their generals for their <laughs> army. I, don't, I just would go, you what? Why would someone want that? Like I've even had someone, com- I commissioned someone to draw me as a dark angel during lockdown. I was like, this is, it's a cool thing to have, right? Like, yeah, you suddenly very st- cool. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was something I didn't expect. And then kind of it's its thing. So as a result, I haven't drawn a comic for about three, four years because I've just been too busy doing Warhammer stuff, streaming. It's just an ebb and flow, I suppose. And I'll get back to it, I imagine. But it's kind of funny, like you only have so much capacity for creativity almost. Have you then ventured into either commission painting an army or anything like that? Or is it you've just kept it strictly to art? It's funny. I, I hadn't planned to, but um, I had a mate, Martin, that was kind of, he saw my test model for Sisters of Battle Army that, again, one that I did a test model and then never went and did. And he was like, oh, I like that scheme do you want to help me paint this army? And literally end up accidentally painting a Sisters of Battle army for him. And that's that's probably as close as I'll ever get to doing commission painting properly. But I did an army for someone. It was it was good fun, but I think I need to be on my terms. Like I, I would pick and choose. If someone wants me to paint something for them, I'd be like, yeah, cool, if I want to. It's like I wouldn't want to paint 2,000 points worth of night goblins all in the same pose i think i'd probably say no i just like <laughs> we're not I, all goobs <laughs> if i don't want to paint it for myself i don't want to paint it for someone else perhaps so it's that weird thing of like it needs to be something that i don't think i'd ever paint myself that i'd like to paint so a, a variation of a scheme or an unusual thing that i wouldn't necessarily do but it's something that I, I think it's very much i don't think i'll seek out commission painting but at the same time if it comes up and it seems like a good fit why not so I don't think I'm by any by any kind of level a big pro painter, but I, I feel like it's it's a good tabletop standard. And if that's what people are wanting, great. Do you find that either of the two sort of outlets being the Warhammer or the actual digital art, do you find that they fill the the creative outlet need and then sort of block you up and not allow you to paint on the other side? At times, especially if I literally I've got a week to get something painted, I'm like I don't really want to do that. I'm, it's like it's, it's that weird thing. Of like you know, you need to get something done, but you, the other thing takes your fancy. So it's that weird thing. Of like I need to paint this unit. But I really want to paint this really cool character, and then I've also got to paint and draw stuff as well. You're just like, okay, so neither's going to work for me right now. So it's that weird thing. Of like you still only have so much creative juices. So there's times where I, I will literally spend weeks kind of going, I don't want to do this commission, but I don't know why, and as a result, I then don't paint anything, and then I'm sat there just going. I need to do something. And it's this weird, like, I, I want to be creative, but at the same time, I can't do either. And I'm just, you're kind of locked in this whole thing. And you end up having to break the cycle. So I had it in the middle of the summer. I just got my massive block where I just didn't want to do, I, I don't know what it was. I just didn't want to face a project I was doing. And then it just never happened. And I was just like, oh shit, what am I doing here? And I had to just snap myself out of it. And it was just awful. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you end up getting nowhere. So it's just sometimes I almost have to force myself where I go, right, I need to do like this month I've been doing um a squig a day. So I've been drawing a different squig each day. And it's forced me that I couldn't just go, right, oh I don't fancy it today. I'll do something tomorrow. I can't procrastinate when I've got to do one for every day. 
So unless there was a good reason, it was like, right, I've got to sit down and draw something. And it, it meant I at least drew something. So it's that whole thing of like, if I'm not feeling hobby kind of focused, I'll do something like I'll do some layer paints, I'll do some base paints or something. Just do something so that there's some progress. And it's just just enough. I can say, right, I've done something. It's better than nothing. And I do the same with the art stuff. Like I'll I'll ink, I'll ink a piece and then I go, right, I've done that. I've done something. And it's it's little steps at least. And I think that's that's something I've learned from doing the, the art side of things more than the Warhammer side of things is sometimes some progress is better than none. And you'll never be perfectly happy either. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> my girlfriend, she does commission art as well. And then she'd be like, oh, I've got this commission to do, but I don't want to do it. And then doesn't draw anything and then just sits there twiddling her thumbs because yeah. she she's locked in, not able to do either. And then watches some oh, TV and then goes, yeah. I can't focus on this because I feel guilty because I'm supposed to be drawing that thing. And then doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. It's maddening. No one understands. <laughs> Oh, I was just about to say, because because I don't do that, like I'm not a commission artist, I go, well, why don't you just draw? And she's like, but I can't. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you said, I don't understand. <laughs> and I'm like, just, you've got so much to do. Sometimes you just can't. It's horrible. <laughs> You're just sitting there going, I really want to, but I'm so exhausted from work. I can't. And then you do it and you're like, why did I ever say I was too tired? I've managed to soldier on. Sometimes I just draw and I, I go back to the next day and go, what the heck was I thinking? Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Madness. Have you found these little um, challenges have helped with your creativeness in general? I feel like it's it's a weird thing. By doing a little bit each day, it's kind of egged me back on again. And I remember this from, I did Squigtober in 2018 the first time. And it's kind of reminded me of that. And that year I did it. Then I hit Christmas, which Christmas in retail can be kind of a, a mad time. And then I came back after the new year and went, I've got none of that juice anymore. So I'm going to try to maintain it this year because there's nothing worse than you kind of going, oh, I've really enjoyed this. And then just peter out and not doing anything. It's like um, the Sisters of Battle Commission I finished. I got the big chunk done for a tournament at the beginning of the year. And then literally I didn't paint anything for months on end. And I had stuff I needed to get done for the commission. And I was like, why don't I have the energy? And it was weird because I'd stopped. It's almost like you need to keep, keep the perpetual motion going on it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. It's never easy. <laughs> creative, creative juices is weird. It, it, it's a weird sort of flow state you have with it all. Yeah. Because not like other jobs where you sort of just get in and get it done. I feel like you have to have a, a build up or a continual flow to yeah. at least keep it going. And as soon as you stop that flow, it's like turn, turn on a rusty tap. It just doesn't want to go. It's like riding a bike when you're a kid. You're just there wobbling going, oh, I don't think. And then you fall off it and you're like, I, I don't want to get back up. I might hurt myself again. It's like, no, just get on with it. And then the worst that'll happen is you'll fall off and you'll get back up again. And it's just keep going. It's the, just keep moving forward. And even if you don't quite like the results, it's not permanent. Like great with a model. You go, right. I didn't like that. I can, you can, as long as you haven't caked it on with paint, just you can paint a little bit over. Job done. Yeah. I think with that example, I think the worst thing is like, as soon as anyone gets a painted model, they're like, oh, better strip it. Or you make a mistake, better strip it. And it's like, unless you're literally using texture paint to paint or you've like globbed on some thick paint, <laughs> just spray over it or paint over it. Like exactly. <laughs> people seem to have this obsession with needing to strip models. Yeah. As long as it's been done competently to start with, you can paint over anything really. Well, have you got any paint? I think I asked you earlier, but have you got any painting projects going on at the moment? So I've got a Dark Angels kill team is probably the one I'm really like, you know, when you kind of just, you're scratching an itch and you're like, I've got to do this. So there was the Black Templar Crusader squad they did when they re-released 
like Templars in 40k. And they're these really cool space rooms with robes, and they're all quite kind of epic looking. I was like, they need to be Dark Angels because they need to be my little hooded night, night guys. And so I've I've kitbashed some up, and I'm I've kind of gone. I need to paint some other stuff, but they're fun enough on the table getting painted because I'm excited. It's that weird thing, like once you, the the mojo of the hobby kind of kicks in, it's you're almost like an addict where you like you scratch the itch. You need to keep scratching the itch until it's done. And I think that's a project that give me a week and they'll be done now. <laughs> Especially if they're smaller projects. Yeah. Smaller projects just seem to blast by. I've noticed that with my Marvel models is I, because it's smaller models and it's just one hero sort of model set up for a Warhammer example, you can just blast through them all like to a decent standard because you're not having to paint up a few hundred models or a pack of 20 and yeah. you being able to put time into them and you get the reward of that whole unit's completed, but that's all I needed to paint. Exactly. And then you go, that whole thing's done. It's like painting yeah. um, my old kill team for, um, and kill team. It was literally like, they're done. I can take them out of the box and that's an entire game. And it's weird because literally one box, I go, that's the whole thing done. And I could, but I could paint probably another nine models for all the different variations, but I'll never use them. So I don't need to. So it's, it's a complete project that will never need anything else done to it, which is very rewarding. I can go, they're done. I can always go back and touch them up painting wise, of course, but we never do. <laughs> no, we can touch up things in to infinitum. But um, and they'll never be completed because nothing can ever be perfect. But uh, being able to get them to a stage where you get that rewarding feeling of saying they're done, it's the same amount of rewarding experience for painting up a whole army. It just yeah. took four or five times as long. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's a nice reward, right? And like being able to go right, I can then I'll paint a unit, and then my reward is I'll paint up one model. You go, yeah, I'll spend some time on this. And that's an evening something. You're like, how's this quicker to paint this one model than painting one of his squad? It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> the hobby makes no sense in general. <laughs> and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> what um what future plans have you got for yourself? You got some tournaments to go to, you got because you're obviously doing Squigtober at the moment. What else have you got on? So I ran my first event in August, Ooh, which was a okay. 40k Tempest of War. Um, tournament so it's match play but instead of it being normal scenarios it was you draw th uh, three secondary cards a, a game so like the old maelstrom in seventh and eighth edition so it was kind of a way of it being a slightly less predefined game because obviously 40k if you've picked secondaries there's probably a consistency that, you know your list is going to be able to score a certain amount of points unless something goes really wrong so this kind of curveballed it a bit but then I, I also added a layer of putting in a, a narrative behind the whole uh, event so each round there was a new piece of narrative that was given to each of the players um, and they seemed to really enjoy it um, it was obviously something I wanted to do but I feel like I could, could do more so I've started planning my next one where I'm, I've got a friend that's a, a voice actor and so I'm doing instead of it being little slips of paper of narrative there's going to be little videos that I send to everyone and it'll be an inquisitor kind of conveying her reports from each round and it'll be it's going to be match play again but there'll be this this kind of cinematic story behind it and the results of the last event is one of the planets actually became a, a chaos demon world so i've i've got a friend with a 3d printer and he's printing me up some demon themed terrain so one of the tables at the event is actually going to be that planet as well so it's like trying to theme it but at the same time it's going to be a dick kicking event but at the same time everyone's got kind of that kind of story buy-in and it's like the, the actual narrative matters almost or i'm just like 
this is us playing match play smash doom done so it's just hopefully something a bit different and i'm quite excited because it's kind of getting me to be creative in a different way and making an event that i'd want to go to hopefully means that other people want to go to as well right like yep that's our main thing isn't it if you make something that you want to go to or listen to or enjoy looking at hopefully other people with the same taste yeah but that what you're doing there it seems like a bit of a merge of like a D and yeah. warhammer experience that seems very cool with the voiceovers yeah so it's, it's nice having people that you know that can help you with this sort of stuff it's just like cool I want to do it, but I don't ever want to do something just like, here you go. Like I did it last time I had little slips of paper and it was printed out. It's just, it felt a bit lame, but I thought, how can I do that better? And I was like, I could print out little cards. And then I went, hang on, why don't I do a video? And then I was like, hang on, doesn't need to be my and next thing. And I'm like full production level <laughs> stuff. Like, I can't, I have to do things the best I can do. I think I just, anything half measure just feels like I'm not doing it right. So there'll be a full cinematic like video by the end of it. <laughs> there'll I be imagine. a movie so, you've got to watch before you play a game. <laughs> you, you joke, but I'm going to do some pre-game, like pre-event um, missions that people can play through as well. Just custom little missions, just so people can have a kind of a, get themselves egged on for it already. I think if you can set it up so like they have narrative pools later on, you can have like these two or three missions for new people to then get roped into it all that didn't experience it from the first time yeah. or like the first experience. You get them roped in as well, so they know what's going on, and then they get to pull in for when they get to play on the demon world terrain. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a nice way of making the like to me, especially the games workshop stuff. The the reason we play it isn't necessarily for the game itself; it's the narrative, the story behind the things, the cool like aliens and all that sort of stuff is actually what kind of gets us into the hobby on that side of things, not necessarily the game. So if that can be actually in the game as well, why not? So just feels kind of a good motivator. When is the, the, the is it spaced over like two or three days or is it like a one day? It'll be a two day. So it'll be a, a whole weekend. So it'll be quite fun because um, the last one, we all went for dinner on the Saturday night. So all of the people playing were like, oh, I hope we don't get paired into each other tomorrow. And it was this whole kind of like, <laughs> it was that kind of still felt like the tournament stuff, but then each of the groups because there was like a team of like a group of four people playing only chaos and it was very much them against the imperium guys and they were like kind of giving each other it and it was it's quite funny because you suddenly watch this whole kind of like almost like team warhammer element of like them all kind of like squaring up a little bit kind of going oh it's all right because he he's bring he's keeping us going type of thing it's like the nids players helping us us aliens do all right and it's kind of it was kind of fun to see like how the dynamic changed rather than if it was just a like a, a GT, everyone would just be like, "Well, I'm 14th at the moment. If if I have if I play against this, I might get into the top." And it's it, it became less crunching numbers and more about what was going on as a whole, kind of the story angle. And it kind of it still felt match play. It was still people wanted to win, but at the same time, there was this cool other element to it, and it, it felt like a good compromise. Uh, I don't think it'll be for every, for everyone, but certainly felt fun to at least try. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when is the event planned for? um the 4th and 5th of february next year well i'll get to keep people posted on that because that yeah. seems like a very fun event especially to pull in even more casual or even like newer players yeah you know to dip their toes into the the warhammer world especially with a more narrative experience yeah definitely definitely is there anything else you've got planned or is this your, your main thing uh, that one and then probably just trying to attend a couple of events myself so like i've this year i've tried to mix it up so i've done kill team events i did my first age of sigmar event as a player that's taken me almost oh, four nice. years to do uh, <laughs> that, that was that was solid um i, I want to try doing a few more events but kind of mixing them up as well like 
Age of Sigmar feels like a very different sort of experience. If you're going to a GT, like everyone wants to have a really good time, but not at the cost of each other, it feels. And I kind of, I, w- I want to kind of dip my toes into that more. Um, that's why I've got Ark and the Black behind me being built because I like the idea of just kind of tinkering away at the one army I've got and just seeing what I can make grow out of that army, especially when they don't have a, an up-to-date book. It just feels like a good opportunity that I could just tinker and then when their new book arrives, I might have some of the cool stuff that does kind of spring to life. And at the same time, if I don't, I'll make it work. <laughs> That's the challenge, mm. right? <laughs> <laughs> it's always the challenge of then you paint up all these models and then none of them are usable. It's the biggest mistake I think a lot of us make, but we enjoy doing it every time. Yeah. Eventually it'll be right. It's normally the next book along. It's like every other book or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they always seem to make the units that are generally the weakest quite strong. It seems yeah. to be the running theme for Sigmar anyway. From my it was same with 40k. Yeah. It was whatever unit was rubbish in the last edition was good in this edition. So I was like, cool. Um, looks like I'm paying up my Necropolis stalkers for Bow Reapers. <laughs> and oddly, they got good with the uh, the White Dwarf update and paired with... You've um, just ruined your own plan. They're good now, so they can't be good in the next book. Yeah, well, they're good now, and they weren't when I first started building them, so it's like, great. <laughs> they're to glow up already, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. No, that's very true. One of our local players, like the the Broccoli Green um, OBR, oh, he's yeah. been enjoying them. Yeah. yeah. He's gone from like a, a bright lime green tip to sort of the dark green base with all the greens in between. So they're just called the Broccoli Boys. Nice. <laughs> he, his idea behind them was to be eye-catching. They're very eye-catching. <laughs> yep, that they are. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a fan question here for you. It's from Spooktacular Quinn. How do you take care of that stunning face of yours? They need to know your morning routine. So I have a shower every day and I shower gel <laughs> on every inch of my body. And then I, if I remember... I use beard oil on my beard. Otherwise, nothing. And most males do. Yeah, <laughs> That's all I we just, do. Every morning, I'm, I'm lucky I'm actually getting out of bed competently. Normally, it's just kind of that whole, almost like a zombie. So as long as I've remembered to wash, that's half the battle, right? <laughs> <laughs> Keeping clean. I'm not a morning guy. I'm not <laughs> a morning <knew>? guy. <laughs> I'm a struggle. Give me half an hour. Like I've sort of perked up in the last sort of half an hour, I feel. Yeah. That first <laughs> half an hour is a bit rough. Um, but after that, when the coffee kicks in, yeah, exactly. It's a lot better. But um, yeah, it's crazy what um, the girls always seem jealous. Oh, what do you use on your face? Water. Maybe yeah. a little bit of body wash. <laughs> They're like, body wash? Where's the yeah. face wash, the face cream, the moisturizer? I exfoliate and then face mask <laughs> yeah. at bedtime. No. I found that the more I tried to do stuff like that, it was yet another thing that I'd forget about. Like, we all go through that phase of, I bought moisturizer. I was like, I'll look after my skin. Do I ever remember to use it? <laughs> no, it's the same bottle I bought 10 years ago, sat there. Yeah, Probably a bit crusty now, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, did you have any um, any information you wanted to leave in the listeners with before we end off the show here and we do shout-outs at the end? I don't think so, really, no. Not much to really say. Have you got any shout-outs for anyone? Uh, I would like to shout-out to... Uh, my buddy Rob at the Honest Wargamer because it was his birthday on the weekend. So happy birthday. Oh, happy to birthday. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think he was 45 or something. He wasn't. I'm just trying to wind him up. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all went to that massive castle con thing, didn't yeah, they? They all disappeared the, for a little bit. Yeah. 
I was meant to go, but there was a scheduling conflict with work. So unfortunately, oh, I had to stay no. back, which is heartbreaking. I saw all the photos and I was like, that's fine. I'm sat at yeah, work right rough. now on this weekend. So to me, this is technically my Thursday of my working week. So I'm just like, cool. They're all coming back from that. And I'm still at work. <laughs> well, at least you got the weekend coming up for you. There's, yeah. there's one thing, one, one silver lining. <laughs> exactly. And, I, and guess what I'm doing on Friday on my day off? Playing Warhammer. Playing Warhammer. <laughs> I don't have a problem. You have a problem. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, John. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you after sort My of pleasure. like watching you online the past few years and seeing you like with Rob's show and doing the streaming and stuff like that. Well, uh, I've wanted you, to sort of learn more about you and how you got into the hobby. So it's been quite a interesting experience to sort of learn all about how you are and all that sort of stuff, especially the art side of it all, because there's not yeah. many people that sort of dabble so heavily in the Warhammer side with art as well. Yeah, there's there's a few of us. There's a good few on Twitter that I follow that are just kind of like that weird kind of doing a bit of both and it's, it's kind of cool to see well enjoy the rest of your night john thank you man <laughs> enjoy your breakfast have a good one <laughs> i will thank you for listening to unidentified wargamer you can find links for the guests located in the description below you can find the show on twitter at u underscore wargamer and i will see you next week <laughs>